This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, good morning. Thank you. God bless all of you. So glad you came out today. I said this is the first service. It's a highlight of my week to worship with you here on Sunday morning. So bless all of you. If you didn't bring your Bible, we got one for you. So just get your hand up real high. We want you to get the Word of God in your hand. And once you get that, you'll go with me to the book of Joshua, chapter 5. We are on week three of our series that you were made for more. And I believe that today that God will impact you again. If you need a Bible, get your hand up real high. We'll go to Joshua 5 and then to Acts chapter 1. As you're turning there to Joshua 5, I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to just go through the motions in life, even in the things of church. We just play church, everything's mechanical or of an intellectual view. I, I want the real things of God. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago there in James 4, verse 8, it says, draw near to God and draw, God will draw near to you. But the thought was this, how many times do we draw near to God only when we're in catastrophe, need, want? We're just overwhelmed by life. And, and God's okay with that, I believe. But what would happen if we just begin to draw near to God and say, God, I want more of you. I need more of you in my life. I need the things of heaven in me richly and fully. And so today you'll see that, that the only way that we move to that level of more is through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we begin here in Joshua chapter 5, verse number 12, verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. Now I'm going to stop right there because when they crossed the Jordan River, the, the first city that they would go after would be the city of Jericho. And so Jericho's on the horizon. Now, Joshua knows what's fixing to take place as far as battle. So you, you can read here and get a sense that, man, he's in great expectation, anticipation. His, his adrenaline's running. He's got butterflies because he knows, man, we're fixing to go to war. So it goes on to say that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. Now, if someone comes near you with a sword drawn in, your, in his hand and he's looking at you, what are you expecting? And so we have this uh, a being that shows up unannounced, and Joshua is thinking, what is he doing here, and what does he want? And so he goes on to say, and Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us? Or for our adversaries? Are you friend or foe? Are you for us or against us? And he said, no. But the New Living the Translation says, neither. And he highlights that and says, but as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. I am sent from God and I've now come. Now up to this moment, Joshua was on the verge of thinking, I'm going to have to whip this guy. Until this guy identifies that I'm with the army of the living God. So he realizes right here, he's sent from God. He's sent to help. Now I want to highlight that because it's very similar in our lives. How many times has God sent us help and we overlooked it? 
We didn't respond to the identity of him. And so we just blew it off and said, I don't need the help of God. But it's interesting right here that you'll see how Joshua yielded because it goes on to say, so he said not, but as the commander of the army of the Lord, I've now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? So this reveals right here that he submitted. He yielded and he said, what do you have to say to my servant? And so let me ask you this right now. Do you have ears to hear what God has to say to you as his servant? And because because God sends every one of us help all the time, I just don't think we take the time to get to know the helper. Verse 15, then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandals off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Now there was a sign of humility, a sign of respect, but also I believe it was a sign of humility to say, Father God, I surrender to what you have for me. Now, when we look at this, there was no way that the Israelites would win the battle in Jericho without supernatural assistance. There's no way in this thing called life that me and you are going to get to the place where God desires us to be without supernatural assistance. So turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And as you're turning there, most of our our time in the church now, in the times we live, we focus on Father God, which we should. We focus on the Lord Jesus, which we should do also. But the Holy Spirit is the least understood. He's forgotten. He's underestimated. He's, He's never given a chance in most of our lives, to fulfill what Father God sent him to do and to be to each one of us. Now, if we were to study the history of the Holy Spirit, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2 in the creation of times, it says the Holy Spirit was there in the very beginning. If we went to the, all the way to the end of the Bible in, in Revelations 22, 17, he's still there at the end of time. But if we were to start in the New Testament there in the book of Matthew, the Lord Jesus, he said, Baptize them in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. So what would happen if we just took off our religious glasses and our denominational theology or doctrine and say, let's just be biblical today. Let's just see what the Word of God says, and maybe there'll be some truths today. And I believe when you leave here this morning, you'll be enlightened to realize, I need the Holy Spirit. And in my life, I I can tell you the three most significant people in my life that took place. I got born again and let the Lord Jesus come into my heart. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I married Shelly. Brilliant, Pastor. Way to go. Well, those are some of the biggest life-changing areas in my life in that order. And so when I begin to follow the scriptures, understand this. God will use the Holy Spirit to transform a mess and make you a miracle. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done, okay? So we begin in Acts chapter 1. Now let the scriptures teach us today. Verse 1. The former account I made, O Theopolis, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Now this is Luke that's writing this. 
And it's interesting that he wants to tell us about everything that Jesus taught and that Jesus actually did. So it's very important that we understand the teachings of Jesus, but also what Jesus did. Now, Jesus had a Ph.D. in life. When you understand how Jesus lived while he was on this life, I mean, it'll help us. One thing I want to highlight about the Lord Jesus, and you can reference this verse, but in Acts 10, 38, it said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, with power, who went about doing good and healing all those that were possessed of the devil. So we see that the ministry of the Lord and Savior Jesus, when he was here on earth, was through the power of the Holy Spirit. Just a thought real quick there for you. Keep reading. Until the day which Jesus was taken up, after he, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he had also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them, the disciples, during 40 days, speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, before Jesus departed and went into heaven, he taught them about the kingdom of God. Now, what verses 2 and 3 literally mean here is he was beginning to transfer everything that he did to us as believers and his disciples through the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit. You know what he's saying? He's saying, fellas, you can't live without the Holy Spirit. In order to fulfill the commandments pertaining to the kingdom, you're going to have to have the Holy Spirit, okay? Verse number 4. And being assembled together with them, his disciples, he commanded them. He didn't suggest and he didn't recommend. It said, he commanded them to not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he had said, you have heard from me. So he gives this command and he says, whatever you do, you're waiting in Jerusalem until you receive. So what was he talking about, the promise of the Father? Verse 5. For John truly baptized you with water. Water baptism is biblical. That's a good thing. But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So I begin to look at the truth. And when you study these disciples, they were a pretty ragged bunch, okay? I mean, when you begin to look at them, None of them were rabbis, none of them had been priests. You had fishermen, you had tax collectors. And the Lord Jesus says to these guys, in order to do what I've called you to do, you're going to have to have the Holy Spirit. You know why I believe he used this set of men? Because he knew they couldn't depend on their human abilities and their talents to do what Jesus called them to do. He said, you're going to have to have the Holy Spirit. So as I read these passages here, this speaks out to us to this day. I'm going to tell you right now, you can't get to the more that God has for you without the Holy Spirit. And just as Joshua needed supernatural assistance, me and you will need him also. I cannot live the life of holiness and to be Christ-like that he called me to live and to be without the Holy Spirit. And so I want to take you a couple passages here this morning that I believe are really, really going to enlighten you today. So turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 5. 
Now, what I want you to understand about the Holy Spirit is He moves within us, and every one of us are a work in progress, okay? As long as you're on this earth, He's going to keep, keep working on you as long as you allow Him to, as long as you welcome Him to, and as long as you yield Him to. Now, again, if you listen real close to what I'm saying, I'm referencing Him as a He, as a person. That's how we got to understand this. The person of God Himself comes on the inside of us. So we begin here in Galatians chapter 5, and I'm going to talk about this for next several weeks, okay? Verse number 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not feel the lust of your flesh. That word walk there means proof of ability. It also implies a, a progression a steady, steady progress that the Holy Spirit will both monitor and empower you where we become internally motivated. So he said, walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lusts, the cravings, the appetites of your flesh. And so he gives us a warning right there. And every one of us in this room, we have appetites of the flesh. Some different than others, but every one of us have uh, uh, areas of our flesh where they try to dominate you. But isn't it interesting? He said, learn to walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill those desires, those cravings. Verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. Literally stated, it's like a tug of war. The Holy Spirit is pulling you this way, and your flesh is pulling you this way. How many can identify with that? I can identify. I look at that, and I think, that's me. I have those issues in my life. And so he goes on to say, the last part of verse 17, and these are contrary to one another. So you do not do the things that you wish. It literally says that these are diametrically opposed. They are in conflict. So you don't do what you wish. That's happened to every one of us in this room. It happened to the Apostle Paul. Remember he said this? The things I don't desire to do, that's what I do. And the things that I want to do, I don't do. But as we go through this passage right here, you'll see the Holy Spirit is sent to help us. Where I'm not dominated by my fleshly appetites. Verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now when he talks about the law, that was the, the Word of God in the Old Testament. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't obey it. But he said, if you're led by the Spirit of God. So what the Spirit of God does, He comes on the inside of us. And He helps us to do it freely where we, we rejoice in obeying God. It's not out of compulsion. It's not mechanical. He comes on and says, I'm going to help you. I don't know about you, that was great news for me to realize. I don't have to do this out of my own ability, because guess what? If you're doing that out of your own abilities, you're not going to make it. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh, let me just say this about that statement. The works of the flesh will work you. 
They will work you, and they will work you, and they will work you. Now watch what he goes on and says here. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Now the first four he gives us pertain to sexual immorality. And he identified it as a work of the flesh. And he said, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, which is impurity, or lewdness, which is indecency. Verse number 20, idolatry and sorcery, which are rooted in pagan worship, witchcraft. He said, these are works of the flesh. And here's what's interesting. The very next nine that are listed are sins that have to do with our temper. How many of you ever had a problem with your temper? Thank you for being truthful. The rest of you liars will pray for you after the service, okay? Listen to these. And when I read these, watch how many of them may bear witness on the inside of you. It's okay to do that. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, and the last one is murder. That when I don't allow the Holy Spirit to help me in areas of anger and temper, this is what it can ultimately lead to. And he ends, and the last two are pretty self-explanatory. He says they are drunkenness and revelries or carousing. The best translation I can get for that is they are wild parties. So if you like to party wildly, that's your little flesh acting up. Keep reading. Aren't you glad you came to church? And the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, get this, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now when you read this verse right there, you can ignore this, you can blow this off, you can laugh at it, you can act like this doesn't pertain to me. But you better get a hold of what the Bible says there. Now he lists the works of the flesh but he doesn't leave us where we have to be dominated by those. He's saying, this is how you are, but that's not how you have to be. Now watch what he goes on to say. But the fruit of the Spirit. Now remember he said the works of the flesh, but now he says the fruit of the Spirit. So understand that statement right here. But the fruit of the Spirit can only come from the Holy Spirit. So how's that look, Pastor? He's going to come on the inside of you, and he's going to start molding you, and he's going to start shaping you. And he says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. He begins to work love on the inside of me. He begins to work joy on the inside of me. He begins to work peace on the inside of me. And there's a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness comes from things. I can get happy eating ice cream because that's the thing, but joy only comes from God. That's an inward joy. Man, I'm just full of joy. How about peace? Do you know the peace of God on the inside can be where there's turbulence everywhere around you, but you got peace on the inside of you. How many have ever witnessed that? Man, if you hadn't, I pray you get to experience that. 
When all else is breaking loose, there's peace on the inside. And when I read about the love of God, that, that's an inward love that is based only from the Spirit of God. You know, we say stuff like this, well, I love spaghetti. I love roller coasters. I love to shop. I love to golf. I I'm talking about a love of God that, that loves people and loves the things of God. Let me, let me tell you a story here on this area called love. This has happened throughout my 18 years of pastoring. And it didn't matter if it was the red, yellow, black, white, or brown. I've had this happen in, in every color of skin. And so not long ago, I have an older couple that's here. They'd never been here before on, on a Sunday morning. And after the service is over, I'm down here standing. And he walks up, and, and they are, are both so moved that he can hardly talk. He's, he's got tears in his eyes. And I said, man, you got touched by God today. And he said, I did. But he didn't mention my sermon. He didn't mention how great our praise and worship team is. You know what he said to me? He said, I've gone to church all my life. And he said, but the only people I've ever worshipped with were white people. And he said, I got so moved today. By seeing all the colors of skin in here worshiping together. And I said, you got a taste of heaven today, didn't you? And he said, I did. I did. And I wanted to say, nanny, nanny, boo, boo. Look what I get a pastor every week. See, here's the deal. We have a nation that's divided. Prejudice, racism. You guys will want me to run for president after I make this statement. You know what the cure is? The love of God. Right. See it? Where we get the love of God, and, and when I look at people that aren't Caucasian, whatever Caucasian, it always entertains me. What are you, Caucasian? Well, that's Caucasian. You're white. <laughs> I mean, sometimes we get so caught up in goofy things. Who cares? But I don't, I don't look at Philip, who's Hispanic, as Hispanic. I just look at Philip as a man. I, and it's the love of God. And so this is one of the fruit of the Spirit. You know what? If you've got a problem with prejudice, you need to be filled with the Spirit today, okay? We need to pray for you. Go home. You're done. We're done. Go ahead, go. You get it real quick. I don't have a problem with people. I was raised that way, okay? I thank God for the heritage I was raised. But again, when I see this, this is what God's love does to people. He goes on to say this. The fruit of long-suffering. You know what long-suffering is? That's patience. How many of you need a double dose of patience? Oh, Holy Spirit, give me a double. Overflow me today. Long, 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 long suffering. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So as you begin to read those, probably every one of them fit us. I can put check, yep, self-control. You know where I need self-control? I got a thing called a tongue. And sometimes I break the 11th commandment because I get hung by my tongue. Self-control in my tongue. But then the area of goodness, kindness, gentleness... 
See, when I begin to ask the Lord, fill me with the fruit of the Spirit, come on the inside of me and begin to mold me, I become a work in progress. And God begins to work these fruits within us. And when you're open and you yield to it, I'm telling you, it's a mind blower. Sometimes you'll look at yourself in the mirror and say, this isn't the same guy. Now let me tell you a little bit about self-control, patience, goodness, kindness, and, and gentleness, even in my own life. I have a problem with patience at times. And so I go to a fast food place, and the reason you go to a fast food place is because it's supposed to be fast. But they lied. And so I pull up at this one. This didn't happen long ago. And I pull up. And, and inside the establishment, it's hand-to-hand combat. It's crazy. You can't, you can't find a parking space. So I said immediately, I'm out. I can't do that. I don't have patience. I can't do it. So I get into the fast food line. The window. Thinking it would be fast. Now, I've really contemplated writing a book on called Fast Food drive through Window Etiquette. Foundations 101 of drive through Windows. Because I have a problem with patience. So I get behind this guy, and he's in a big vehicle. And so rule number one, I'm going to help some of you today in this area, okay? You have your money and your credit card ready, okay? When you pull up, that's where you ready. And then when they give you your food, you look in the bag to make sure it's everything's in there real quick, a real quick inventory. That doesn't mean you sit there and sample the french fries, okay? And that doesn't mean that ever, everyone in your car, all 10 of them, you have to put their straw in their cup form, okay? Get it and move. Move. Go. Pastor, you have a problem with patience. Just a little bit. I'm a work in progress. This happens recently. I, I'm telling you guys, this is, you can ask my wife. I have problems at traffic signs, stoplights. I almost lose my salvation over a red light. I'm like, oh my God. I'm just telling you the truth. So, I pull up to the window, and of course, I'm ready. I got my credit card, my money, and that day I handed the girl money. She gives me my food, the, my money back. I take an inventory in, and I pull away, and I get up there, and I'm putting my money in my, my wallet. Now, again, that's, that's Foundations 101. Don't put your money in your wallet there. You move forward, okay? Go. So I do what I recommend. And I'm putting my money in, and I look at it, and I realize... I made money today by going to this restaurant. Not only did I get my food, they gave me more money back than I paid. Now, here's what can happen if you're not careful. You can say, Woo, happy day, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus had nothing to do with that. You know what Jesus is doing? Jesus is putting you on a test to test your character and your integrity. Now, this is where Pastor gets back into trouble. I realize what the little girl has done. And I have this thought. This is in the, this is in the Greek. Craptacular. <laughs> this is not good. So guess what I realize? I've got to find a parking place. Because I can't go back around and get in line. Why? I'd lose my salvation doing that. 
So I realized I got to go back in. I'm telling you guys the truth. This is how I operate, okay? So I go in there and I walk in and there's a line to order and it's hand-to-hand combat. I mean, there's knives, there's guns. It's, no one's moving and I'm mad. I'm, so I get up there and the guy says, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I need to see that little girl right there. And he's the manager and he goes, did she do something wrong? I said, no, she did great. I said, I just need to talk to her. Now, a lot of times when I go into places like that, if the manager asks me how they'll do, I'll say, you ought to give them a raise. They're doing that good of a job. I'll get you a raise if you work somewhere. So the little girl comes walking up and she looks at me and I got the receipt and the money. This is the goodness of God. This is where it gets good. And I said, darling, you gave me back too much money. Way too much. She gets these little crocodile tears right here. And she said, if my box is short, it comes out of my paycheck. I'm a single mama. And I said, you just got to witness the goodness of God. Now, the reason I tell you that, rewind, rewind, rewind. 30 years ago, hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back. No, I'm gone. I'm gone. Not even a thought. But now, the Holy Spirit starts working these things in my life. And I can look in the mirror and I think, That isn't the same guy. But something happens when I begin to allow the Holy Spirit come on the inside of me. And I welcome Him. i got two passages left. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And I want you to see these. Just to your right. Just a little bit. Oh, that's a good sound. To hear pages turning. Again, get in the Word and God will get into you. Learn to live by the Word of God. Verse number 7 and 8. For God did not call us to uncleanness or uncleanliness, but in holiness. The New International Version says, but to live a holy life. God has called me and you to live a holy life. Why? Because He wants to bless you. He wants your life to be more. Now watch what He says here in verse 8. Get your pen out and highlight this. Therefore, he who rejects or disregards this does not reject man, but you reject God, who has also given us His Holy Spirit. So guess what He's telling us right here? The Holy Spirit is going to be the one that's going to help you to live that holy life. Again, I said this earlier, he he still takes messes and makes miracles. And that's why the prophet Zechariah said, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the Spirit of God. He doesn't want us depending completely on our talents and our abilities because he knows we're going to blow it. But something happens when I allow the Holy Spirit to come in and do what he's asked us to do. See, holiness cannot be manufactured. It has nothing to do with your hard work or your good deeds. It comes in with say, okay, Holy Spirit, I yield to you. I want to spend time with you. I want to get to know you. I want to hang out with you. Last scripture, go with me to 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 
I had to, I had to do a funeral yesterday, and so I was in the car for many hours with my wife, and she began to tell me about all the, the teenagers at youth camp. I mean, got filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, I got so blessed. I tell you, when I was a teenager, I wasn't full of the Holy Spirit. I was full of the devil. And I celebrate to see teenagers passionate about worshiping God. I don't know about you, but bless it. I'm telling you, all you parents who invested for your children to go to camp, way to go. Way to go. And all you ones who gave the scholarship ones, man, you're going to have great rewards in heaven too. Just to see young ones get turned on to God. And I believe it's that significant right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4-6. through 6. And we have such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves. You're not sufficient with your own abilities. To think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter or the letter of the law, but the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So over my years in the church now, it's roughly 38 years. That's how old I am, 38. Give or take a few. I've seen the church operate in two ways. One, where we say we're just going to live by the Word of God. We've got strong doctrine and strong theology. I like that, except you're in this ditch right here. And so let me clarify there as far as the letter killeth. When all you have is the Word of God, the Word of God will cause you to dry up. You will become a cemetery. But if all you get is the Holy Spirit, you will blow up. You become like an insane asylum. So you go from just, we're just going to be theologically sound, or all we're going to do is the Holy Spirit. Now, how many of you in here witnessed the insane asylum, what I'm talking about? I've seen it. I've seen stuff that they said this happened in the name of the Holy Spirit. That's crazy, some of the stuff. I saw people acting like dogs. That's not the Holy Spirit. Just come up here and drool with me in the name of the Spirit. Bunch of wackos. I thought no one would honor ever want to come to church if that was what's taking place. So what you begin to see, if all you have is the Word, you dry up. And if all you have is the Spirit, you blow up. But when you take the Word of God and you combine it with the Holy Spirit, you grow up. You grow up. So guess what the Holy Spirit does? He takes the truth of the Word of God. And when you begin to hear the truth of the Word of God, He begins to work on the inside with you. He begins to confirm the Word with God with signs following. And so when you say, I'm going to study the Word of God, incorporate the Holy Spirit. Say, oh, Holy Spirit, come. Show me the Word. But not only show me the Word, let the Word of God come alive in me. And, and guess what happens? You begin to live an adventure. And my, my adventures put Peter Pan's to shame. I mean, when you get to go in and lay hands on people and watch what happens, when you get in situations where you know people are dominated by the devil, and you say, in the name of Jesus, come out of them, and you watch the power of God work, I'm telling you, it's incredible. And so just here today, just through the Word of God, you to see the significance of the Holy Spirit. How Jesus was anointed with Him.
Let me say this and come back these next few weeks. The Holy Spirit doesn't do weird things. People do weird things. And the Holy Spirit always stays within the boundaries of the Word of God. Well, pastor, we're doing a new thing. Well, barking like a dog is not a new thing if you can't show me in the Bible where these take place. Okay? So guess what I'm telling you? The Holy Spirit won't make you do weird things. I've had people say, I don't want to get filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm afraid when I go to Walmart, I'll just reach over and glad the church is mine and start uh, praying in tongues. That's not going to happen, okay? It's not going to happen. And then one of my favorites is when people say, now, you're going to get filled with the Holy Spirit today. Just say these things after me and you'll be filled. Just say, caramel macchiata, caramel macchiata. Honey, isn't that a drink at Starbucks? Yes, that's it. So again, the Holy Spirit will fill you, okay? That isn't up to us. Why are you getting on that? Pastor, I'm just, I'm just clarifying things, okay? The significance of the Holy Spirit. I welcome Him to my day. If you're struggling in areas as a daddy, ask the Holy Spirit to help you. John 16, 7, He said, I sent you a helper. If you're struggling in your marriage, say, Holy Spirit, I've got to have your help today. Remember, Jesus had a PhD in life. Whatever your occupation is, what would happen in the mornings if you say, oh, Lord, help me today. Help me, Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.